Just Life, a programme from Radio Maria England. On today's programme, we have Joanna Bogle speaking about Sue Ryder. Currently on your bookshelves and in bestsellers, you can find published by Gracewing, A Life Lived for Others, Sue Ryder, written by Joanna Bogle. Joanna, welcome to the programme. It's lovely to be here, as always. Joanna, the microphone in our listeners are all yours. Well, I was invited to write this book about Sue Ryder and immediately leapt at it. Uh, Quite often people say, why don't you do a book about, and it's something that just doesn't gel or something that already lots of books about and they haven't bothered to research before asking. But Sue Ryder fascinated me. You'll know the name because there are Sue Ryder shops, charity shops, selling secondhand clothes and books and all sorts of useful things across Britain. Almost every major town has got one. And I knew that she was connected in some special way with the Second World War. I remember, oh, way back in the 70s and 80s, hearing about Sue Ryder doing this and that and the other thing. And I knew she had married uh, Leonard Cheshire, our most decorated RAS uh, ace. Um, I just knew there was a whole connection about the war. So I decided I'd go for this. And my publishers were excited, really very pleased about it. Well, then came covid And doing historical research in a lockdown is a pain. So a lot of the work I had to do was online. There's a lot more than there used to be. Um, But I still regret not being able to go to one or two of the homes she founded because uh, I had to get to the book, book done. And they've only really just started to lift the restrictions on visiting old people's homes. So who was Sue Ryder? And what are these homes? Uh, born into a well-to-do family in 1924. The date's a bit wobbly because that definitely is the date, but she fibbed about her age, as a number of people did, in order to do war service with the first aid nursing yeomanry starting in the summer of 1939. She was still a young teenager. She was brought up as a very staunch Christian, and the family owned quite a lot of land, but these were difficult days just after the First World War, oh, in which she had lost a brother whom she, she never knew, killed before she was born. Um, and the family didn't always collect the rents from all their tenants because they knew that these were tough times, and she spent a lot of her childhood helping her mother um, doing work among very, very poor people in Leeds. Uh, there's a plaque commemorating the Ryder family and, and Sue in particular there. So she was brought up with a strong sense of her own role in the world. You jolly well are here to help others. And then, as I said, she uh, worked for the First Aid Nursing Yeomanry in the Second World War. Quite a posh thing that. In the First World War, when it was set up, you had to bring your own horse. The idea was you'd gallop around the battlefield uh, helping with first aid. Yes, it does sound a bit silly. In the Second World War, it was a bit different. Girls from well-to-do and well-connected families still very much joined. And it was from this pool of first aid nursing yeomanry, not all rich or well-connected, but I'm just telling you the background, uh, that uh, was drawn some of the most heroic people of the war who were prepared to be dropped behind enemy lines into occupied Europe in 1941, 42, 43, to heat up the war and build up more resistance. Sue, still a teenager, remember, was allocated to the Polish section. Now, 
these were not uh, British people and not members of the First Aid Nursing Yeomanry. The SANYs were looking after them, but these were men who'd escaped from Poland and wanted to go back to their native land to join the resistance and team up with the Western allies when they were able to invade. Well, it wasn't as simple as that. Many of the men that Sue Ryder helped train, looked after, cooked for, sorted out their clothes, packed parachutes and other equipment with and for them, never returned from the war. If they weren't captured by the Gestapo, some of them were captured by Stalin's evil agents and disappeared into the Gulag. The plight of Poland in the Second World War was tragic. After the war, and I should add that uh, Sue Ryder finished her war years doing relief work in Italy, where she encountered desperate poverty and so on, and the girls themselves worked extremely hard. They remembered their hot water bottles freezing at night. They had to keep the engines of their trucks running, so they had to wake every 20 minutes to do that. It was, it was not an easy life. They all realized that then it was a need to rebuild a, a new Europe after the war. And Sue Ryder began by helping Polish people, victims of concentration camps, struggling to get home, particularly boys who'd been imprisoned at the age of 14 or 15 in Auschwitz or elsewhere. And that was the beginning of what was to be a lifetime of relief work. Now, I'm going to go on to explain an awful lot more than that, but just for a bit, let's think of this. Teenage girl working for SOE, Special Operations, in the First Aid Nursing Yeomanry, helping men who were about to be parachuted into Poland. Let's take a music break in a little bit and think about all of that and the great adventure of Sue Ryder's life. Music. Here we go, Joanna. is Just Life on Radio Maria. And now back to Joanna Bogle. Sue Ryder's work, and gosh, I did find it fascinating researching it all, including listening to her voice on the sound archives from the Imperial War Museum, the museum itself being closed, but I was able to access their sound archives, and including talking to all sorts of people who worked with her, and of course her daughter, who's written a foreword to the book. Sue Ryder's life really was extraordinary. In the immediate and extremely difficult 
post-war years, 45, 46, 47, initially doing official relief work when the money, money ran out. And she was working at that time for the International Guide, Girl Guides uh, Relief Agency. But when the money ran out, she kept going on her own. And that was the start of what became her independent charity. I mean, she just kept going without pay. Her father died at about this time, and her mother was uh, left a, a, a small legacy with which to buy a house. So Sue would have a home waiting for her in England. But she had nothing else at all. Oh, except that during the war, she married very briefly a serving soldier. And sadly, the marriage was short. He, he was killed. And so she did receive a small widow's pension. But that was it. A small widow's pension from a brief, romantic, tragic wartime marriage. Oh, and the prospect of going home to her mother, at least there was a home waiting. But she didn't just go home. She helped the victims of concentration camps, including Polish boys who got into trouble with the authorities because trying to get home across ravaged Germany, they might steal a chicken or something and then be arrested by the Allied authorities for theft. They were really friendless, except for this young woman, not quite out of her teens or only just out of her teens, who with limited German would fight their case in the German courts under Allied jurisdiction. What an extraordinary story. Back in Britain, the needs of the post-war world were becoming very apparent. But Sue Ryder's first interest was definitely with these war refugees, concentration camp victims, people who had the most ghastly time that people in Britain were only just discovering to understand in the full horror of the, the Holocaust with the revelations of what things had been like in Belsen and Auschwitz and elsewhere. Belsen, the concentration camp, was liberated by British troops. Incidentally, among them was Willie Whitelaw, later to become a Home Secretary. One of the things that was fascinating about Sue Ryder was she was deeply patriotic and had strong traditional values. There was something about her that when I read and, and discussed her with people, there was something awfully, I don't know, invigorating and also rather romantic about her. Her first attempts to create a home for refugees and people coming to Britain perhaps on respite holidays from the, the war-ravaged Europe was very difficult. She describes in her own autobiography, Child of My Love, how she went looking for big old houses. It was becoming clear in 1945-6 that people wouldn't be able to be living anymore in the great homes and manor houses, which in the 1920s and 30s had still been just about possible with a staff and maids to cook and clean and gardeners. It just wasn't going to happen in the post-war years. And many families just said, please, would somebody take on this magnificent old house? And she mentions that over 400 were lost in the years between the late 40s and the 1970s. There's something sad about that. She was able to acquire one or two by raising funds with great difficulty and transformed them eventually into Sue Ryder homes. But that came later. First, the only one she could use was the home her mother had bought at Cavendish in Suffolk. Not a great stately home, but a substantial house. And she was able to turn it into a home for refugees, creating for her mother a, 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 a pleasant a, a little bit at the top, and her mother later bought a cottage nearby on her own. And Sue Ryder, for the rest of her life, would have just a couple of rooms at the top of that house. 
Today you can visit Cavendish. There are lots of memorials to Sue in the church and so on. And the home is still an old people's home, now run by an independent trust. And there's a small museum there. That was the beginning of the Sue Ryder Homes. As mentioned, uh, she created homes out of what were once great stately piles, often having most eccentric work in doing so. One of her helpers described crawling through the undergrowth. He was telling me about it very vividly to discover this ancient house they knew was there and had a great chestnut tree growing up through it. They acquired it for very little money and turned it into a comfortable residential home. Sue Ryder then launched charity shops to finance all this work and they flourish today. They provide a very useful service as well as raising money for her work. And in the middle of all of this, by now a, a young woman, busy, 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 she met group captain, as he then was, Leonard Cheshire, who was doing similar work. They pooled their ideas, and they fell in love and married. They married in India, partly, I think, to get away from lots of publicity, and I was able to get information about their marriage from the current Cardinal Archbishop, and they spent their honeymoon at a leper colony that uh, Cheshire had established. It's an amazing story. Think a bit more about it while we listen to the next bit of music. Oh, and I must tell you that uh, their daughter, Gigi, wrote a foreword to my book and described her own very, very happy childhood growing up in an old people's home. My book about Sue Ryder was in some ways a lockdown project, as I said. I sat at home typing, used the internet, phoned and phoned and phoned people who knew Sue and became really good friends. It was great fun to meet some of them in person once the lockdown was over. And we had a wonderful launch for the book just the other day. By now, some of these people have become really good friends. Uh, at the headquarters of the Lady Rider of Warsaw Foundation, which is near Henley-on-Thames, a beautiful old former Anglican convent where now conferences and retreats and so on are held. Sue Ryder's legacy was deeply Christian. At some point, I wasn't able to discover exactly when, she became a Catholic, having been brought up Church of England. I don't think it was a very big leap for her. Her family were very, very devout, and they had a, a deep support and love of Walsingham and the Shrine of Our Lady. The families she and uh, Leonard Cheshire created together, a boy and a girl, were all Catholic. Her daughter is still a practicing Catholic, wrote a foreword for the book. The, the son has sadly since died. There's a wonderful story here of faith and Christian commitment. Sue became very, very famous in Britain and abroad. And uh, the book I've done lists many of her achievements in countries all over the world, Sue Ryder Homes, clinics, and other things. 
By the end of her life, she was really a national institution, and she was Baroness Ryder of Warsaw, the first person ever to take the name of a foreign city in tribute to all the people from Warsaw, who incidentally in the years of communism knew of her work and honored her, but sort of secretly. Several told me, oh, we knew it was Sue Ryder, but the communist government wouldn't allow us to put up any plaques or anything. They were just glad to have the hospitals and clinics and homes she founded. Isn't that extraordinary? In the House of Lords, she championed family life, marriage, protection of the unborn, passionately opposing euthanasia. She stood for the Christian understanding of marriage, one man, one woman, for life. She was large-minded, worked with people of all faiths and none. She understood where our great traditions in Britain come from, of helping the poor, of being neighborly, of caring for one another. She was emphatic that losing that Christian link, and she mentioned in particular losing prayers in hospitals when she first trained uh, as a nurse uh, shortly before joining the first aid nursing germany every morning began with prayers in an ordinary hospital that was standard all gone now one of the things i like about the sue Ryder story is that she challenges us not only to care for the poor the needy the vulnerable and the people often difficult to help like the poor polish lads arrested for theft as they struggled to get home after uh, being liberated from a concentration camp but also the everyday, she used to say to people, start by helping the person nearest to you. She was a faithful mass goer and made daily mass part of her life. She lived Christian principles enriched by Christian prayer. I was really inspired after researching the life of Sue Ryder. I hope you enjoyed my book. Oh, and here's a funny thought on which to end before we hear some more music. One of the things that was funny was we wanted to produce the book for Sue Ryder's centenary. But in fact, the centenary is 2024, not next year, 2023. So we've got a whole lot more uh, time to celebrate Sue Ryder's life. We'll have a bit more music and then I'll briefly wrap up after that.
was a Polish song that is dedicated to Mary, asking her and praying for her to bring us to the Lord and to protect us. Joanna, you're back on air. Thanks. And wrapping up the story of Sue Ryder, who so loved Poland and is loved in Poland, I did, as I've said, find this an incredibly exciting story and one that was fun to research. Although I was doing so under some difficulties under lockdown, a lot of gems I discovered, descriptions of how she worked. She got up incredibly early every morning and was busy doing everything. Starting in August every year, she'd sign all the Christmas cards to the innumerable friends and supporters all over the world. Her staff remembered they always called her Lady Rider. She was a slightly formidable figure, but a tiny one, a little frail-looking lady. She always described herself as just a truck driver because she delivered the aid across Europe herself, driving and driving and driving, usually with another volunteer uh, accompanying her, lots of adventures on the way. One volunteer who later described her experiences remembered they finally pulled up and Sue Ryder said, right, let's have a refreshment break. Oh, she thought, great, we're going to pull in somewhere, hot coffee, a cooked breakfast. And Sue Ryder produced a banana. (laughs) It was really a tough way of doing things. She never spared herself. Didn't like to stay in an hotel, would always stay in a convent or somewhere like that. Always up early and on with the next project. I think there was something about her, though, that was fun because she had a great sense of humor and people enjoyed working with her because although she demanded a lot of herself and sort of assumed that people were put up with hardships, she didn't voice them on people. And she understood the value of good fun and good fellowship and liked to be part of all the lovely things that she helped to organize for refugees, sing-alongs and festivities and special meals, proper Christmases, birthdays, anniversaries, all celebrated with lovely food. And most people remember this generosity of spirit combined with her own austere way of living. But she was merry with it and fun to be with. And she ran an efficient charity. Not lots of jargon, not lots of advice committees, not lots of boring people announcing extra regulations. Very much a hardworking, cheerful, enthusiastic team, attracting, of course, a lot of volunteers. If you want to hear more about Sue Ryder, you could come to one of the talks I'm giving. I contacted some some rotary clubs because I discovered that in the early years in particular and throughout the 70s and, and 80s, rotary clubs across Britain were among her great supporters, raising funds and in a couple of occasions helping to provide homes for People coming on respite holidays from Eastern Europe uh, when there was nowhere for them to stay. Uh, People opened their own homes to them. So find out, would your local Rotary Club like a talk? Then contact me. You can always reach me via Radio Maria. But also, what about your school or youth group or Catholic organization? I talk about Sue Ryder. It does help us to see what a Catholic woman can do when she rolls up her sleeves and gets on with something. It's a story I'd like to tell. If I can get my fares covered from London, I don't need a fee. I'd really like to tell more people about this very remarkable woman. And in doing so, I'd like to say she inspired me too. It's always interesting to think that somebody somewhere, someone else, not me, will take on some useful project. It's always a nice feeling to find out about other people's work. But I rather like Sue Ryder's message, which is that we all help one another 
and her response when people said, oh, what wonderful work you're doing, can't I help? And she usually said, yes, yes, we can all help. Help the person nearest to you. Now, she didn't actually always obey that rule herself, did she? I mean, she was helping people from Eastern Europe. She was setting up homes across Britain and later overseas for people who were not near to her at all. Even when she got married, they spent the honeymoon at a place in, in India. But I still think it's good advice. I was inspired after researching the story of Sue Ryder, and I'm going to follow her advice. Do what one can. Help the person nearest to you. Goodbye. Thank you so much, Joanna, for joining us on Just Life. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Listeners, if you would like to learn more about how to get your hands on A Life Lived for Others, written by Joanna Bogle about Sue Ryder, please do visit Grace Wing Publishings. You can find out much more about that. And you can also find out more about the Warsaw Memorial Trust, which can be found at this website www.lrwmt.org.uk And of course, visit any of the Sioux Riders around you. And visit Grace Wings to get your hands on A Life Lived for Others. Thanks for joining us on Just Life.